Welcome to Classical Etc., a show that dives into the philosophy, culture, and heart of classical education. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. We're ready. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. The theme for our conversation today is education and community. We're going to talk about the ways that we need to bring other people into our educational journeys and the way that other people help inform the education we're giving to students. But before we get there, we a lot of times talk about books at the beginning of the episodes, the last few times we have. And I think one analogous situation to education and community is book clubs. It's a place where we see doing something in a group enhance the experience. We've all been a part of book clubs. Do you guys have any memorable experiences of being in book clubs or ways that you think that being in a book club has increased your enjoyment of a book? Paul? Uh, my favorite book clubs are small. I, when, they're, when they're small, I feel like the conversation tends to go deeper. Whereas when they're large, I feel like people, like everybody wants to say their little tidbit, but nobody wants to dig in too deep because they're afraid they're going to like monopolize the time. Or, you know, if they say something and somebody else takes off a different direction, they're not like, I want to talk about this. Whereas when it's like four or five people, you can say, no, I want to talk about this. And then you go in deep. And I find those are actually the most enriching. Are you a part of any book clubs right now? Uh, which ones am I not a part of? Oh. Um, wow. Well, I mean, we've got, there's a, there's a discussion night on philosophy happening at, happening in a week or two that I got to read some Thomism. Um, I am not in that book club. Then, by the way, then yeah, I don't think we invited you. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, she chose not to be there. Chose one. not to be there. Okay. Lee Lowe has is reading the Chronicles of Narnia. We talked about this last time. Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you read I, the Horse and His Boy in approximately well, thirty five minutes. I think I said last time I was. <laughs> I told Lee I was not going to do that, and then we found out that the book club was small. And we needed more people, and I became the fourth person in the book club. Sat down and read The Horse and His Boy an hour and a half. Well, probably like an hour with interruptions. And it was phenomenal. Loved it. It was great. And then Memorial Press has a different book club, The Talismans, but we're supposed to be reading. I haven't started that one. I have. It's really good, but I've read it before. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I'm getting more out of it this time because I, I'm really Second enjoying time. the prose. Mm. It's not easy. It's not an easy read. It's yeah. not a fast read, but it's chock full of great stuff. Yeah. Well, and then there's talking about education or reading in community, Shane. There are two books that if anybody would like to read them and discuss them, I would I would be thrilled. One Paul at memoriapress.com. Hang on. Let me see. I, let me just guess. One is by Graham Greene. Absolutely not. No. Nope. <gasps> okay, I'm wrong. No. Because because Graham, cut this please because I don't like to be wrong. I've <laughs> I've I've had opportunities to talk about Graham Greene. I've talked about Graham Greene a lot. You have. There are two books that I feel that nobody has read through that I have met that's willing to sit down and talk to me about them. And one is Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which is a platonic dialogue of a gorilla and a man. I don't think I agree with any of it, but I haven't been able to express that. And I haven't been able to work through it with somebody. That's why I need this books and community. And the other one is Loris by, what's his name? It's a long, complex Russian name with lots of consonants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Eight Day Books had it at their table at the conference mm -hmm. last year, and I bought it. And it's fascinating. It's set in Russian Middle Ages. 
with this young boy who becomes a healer, like the town doctor, but then becomes a holy man, like an ascetic monkish kind of holy man, goes on pilgrimages, comes back. And I feel like there's so much there that I don't understand because it is sort of the Eastern side of Russia is, is what's coming through the, the, in, in the faith, the Eastern faith aspect uh, that I, I feel like I'm missing some things. So I want to talk about that one. Which too. is, which has been talked about as the uh, Eastern Orthodox uh, response to Umberto echoes the name of the rose, mm-hmm. which I actually read recently. Right. And the name of the rose, like I felt like I read it and I was like, okay, I kind of get what's going on here because I'm Western, you know, but Laris, I feel like I need some, I need some discussion. You need some community. I do. I need some community. Martin, what do you like about book clubs or do you? Well, I think for one thing, they, they impose a little accountability on you. I mean, you may make a decision to read a book and you may or may not read it, but if there's uh, a date on which there's going to be a discussion uh, you you feel like there's more at stake because you don't want to display your ignorance if you haven't read it or read it well at the meeting. So it, I think I think it provides some good incentives. Uh, the other thing is that it helps you to see things in a book you've read that you may not have seen. Sure, because every when anyone reads a book, they read it from their perspective. There's certain things they see, um, and those things are different from the way another person that the, the things another person might see in it and so it's always i, mean, I think that in, in terms of just the discussion that's the chief benefit to me i think that's uh, 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 undebatable that that uh, uh, the benefit of a book club is to listen to what other people saw in it that you didn't see and sometimes it's a revelation I mean, we've all probably experienced that where you've read a book and then you're in a discussion somebody brings up something and it was right there you just didn't see it, and it was something important. Or they change your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they change your mind something. on something. That's I, always I think too. Michelle did that in our last conversation about the Graham Greene book. Like she said something about one of the characters, and I was like, I don't think that you know. And she was like, Well, we're here on this page. I was like, What? Yeah, yeah, it and, is amazing. And, and the third thing is that in pretty much every book discussion I've been in, other books have been mentioned by people. Mm-hmm. that I haven't read. And I always end up going away from a discussion with a, a short list of books that I need to go get. So it, it, it gives you an incentive to read uh, other things that you, you may not even have known about. Sure. Tony, what about you? I've been in lots of book groups over the years, but my favorite was when my children were little, when they were all the way, I guess all the way through school, really when, you know, you're, you're at home with the kids all the time and it's isolating, which that's what we're talking about is community. And I had this group of friends, and we would go once a month to Holly Cook bookstore, local bookstore in Louisville, once a month, away from our children, just adults. And we read really great. It's the first time I read Anna Karenina. It's the first time I read Middlemarch, just so many good books. And we got this one um, anthology um by a lady she's died now i can't remember her name but it was called half savage hardy and free and it was about women's lit and we read so we would read a chapter of it and then read whatever book she was talking about and that lasted us at least a year but those experiences were absolutely the best book club Mm -hmm. experiences i've ever had but they were very smart women 
And these book clubs I'm in with you guys, maybe just yeah, don't. The quality is just not quite. <laughs> oh, maybe so. It could be. Maybe so. One time there was a tornado, and they kept and we were so involved in whatever book we were discussing, and we were sitting in the window of the Holly <laughs> Cook. The house was taken yeah. up by the no, tornado. We were, <laughs> they were still involved in the discussion. They were so. <laughs> we were at Holly Cook, and we were sitting in the window, and the the server came by and said, um, there's a tornado warning, so you'll need to move inside the store. And we were like, yeah, okay. And we were drinking our coffee and talking about the book, and five minutes later, he came back and said, we're really going to have to ask you to leave because <laughs> there's a tornado, and you're sitting in the window. And you're like, okay, we're getting up now. And then we just continued on, and they came back again, and he said, we are closing the cafe, and you have got to get up and move to the inside of the store. So we go, so we finally manage, you know, it's hard to just, a group of women, it's hard to get us to move. Mm -hmm. And we finally moved to the inside of the store, and there were people, like, they had benches, and there were people lying under them. We were like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of sat down in the middle of some bookcases and continued to talk. <laughs> then it was over. Our husbands were looking for us because sure. there were threats of tour. And one actually um, came down on Shelbyville Road, not at Holly Cook, but very close. And they had heard that and all their wives were out having a really grand old time. They say that books can transport you to another place. In that instance, you may have literally been transported to another place because of your book. It could have been. It could have been. I, I, I was just sitting here remembering the first book discussion group I was involved in, which when it was when I was living in California many years ago. And we started just having it at different people's houses. And I think at the first house we had it, there was this toad stuffed toad sitting on the, on the, the bookshelf. And somehow this, became our mascot and we just called him our toad and so he would make sure to bring the toad to every meeting and then i started to write these sort of humorous minutes of the last meeting and they became so popular everyone really looked forward to to sitting down and starting the meeting with the reading of the minutes and you know these it, these fun little traditions you that used to do that for our faculty meetings oh, they I, were yeah. so fun <laughs> I mean, you really should just be a comic writer. Forget oh, all this serious so, stuff. Yeah. Forget philosophy. Yeah. How about you, Shane? You are, know, have, are you in book clubs? My, no. Because you just want to read what you want to read right. when you want right. to read it. Uh, Is this true? We're uh, talking uh, about community, and he doesn't want to be in, the, in a community. The very first day of your workday at Memorial Press, if you ever get hired, for all of you listening who are wanting to work here, the very first day you will be peer pressured into joining the book club. <laughs> and at that point, you want to make a good impression, so you have to say yes. The question then is how long they're going to peer pressure you until you're able to like quit. And for me, it was like four months. So. <laughs> and now the peer pressure is coming back. Yeah. No, I, but I even, I, I expressed this last time we were talking about book clubs. Yes, I don't love being pressured to read stuff I don't want to read. However, every time I've subjected myself to that pressure, it's been positive. Um, and you know, we, I read a few books in our, in our book club <laughs> and, um, the, Did Alan, you read any fiction, books? the Alan Penn read we, book we read, uh, well, I've cried the beloved, cried the beloved country because I, I'd read too late the foul rope before by Alan Penn and never read cry the beloved country. And when we read that together, there were so many different aspects of the relationship between the characters, bits of dialogue that I had not picked up at all. And having read the previous book, I was reading it through that lens entirely, whereas it brought just a totally different aspect of the conversation to me. So I, I see the benefits 100%. And 
just need to be better at following the encouragement of my friends. Well, at least you're honest about it. Martin commits and never shows up. Well, there's... But I usually read the book. You do. You will, you will have read the book and talk to all of up. us about it. But then when it gets time to talk about it in a group, he's like, oh, today? <laughs> so we've mentioned a bunch of benefits of reading in community. And so now I want to shift over to talking about our topic of education and community. And so I brought down another piece of our curriculum to, to kind of launch this conversation. The book is Kindergarten Enrichment. And the reason I chose this one specifically is because of one of my favorite schools that I've ever visited, a school called Highlands Latin School in Anderson, South Carolina. During their primary years, they do our enrichment books together. Their kindergartners through second graders all do these books together. And what it does is it creates a really special culture for the primary students who are listening to these read-alouds together, and they're going through the different elements of the enrichment together. And so there's interaction between peers and they just love their afternoon time where they're doing enrichment together. It, there's nothing like doing it together versus sitting and listening to these pieces of music or read lots by yourself. It's not the same experience than sharing it with other people. And I think that's just the beauty of building a culture around beautiful things. And Highlands Latin School is a one day a week school. That's right. That's right. So they're choosing to use part of their day to do this in community. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that's nice. Yeah. So... Um, Tanya, when they were creating the enrichment curriculum, what was the thought process into kind of laying it out the way that it is? And what role does it play in a more full-time environment? A more full-time school? Yeah. Well, really the same kind of role that Anderson's choosing to do. Um, Lee actually came up with this. She really wanted science and history and Um, poetry and music and art to be tied to a read-aloud book. And she really wanted to choose the best read-aloud books and then just just wrap everything else around it for that kind of corporate experience for Mm -hmm. the student. And just as introduction, and we, you know, now we have the science, extra science sets, and we've got extra history sets, and that was never her intention. We only did that because homeschoolers were wanting more um, more work to do. They had more time than we did in the classroom. But her idea was just, if you were reading Miss Spider's Tea Party and you wanted to study a little bit about spiders, that you would just do it within the context of the read aloud book and just mm-hmm. look at the spider, how many legs did, did she have, and you know some of the characteristics of her. And it never be a full-blown, serious science or history lesson some geography, you know, to find the place of the read aloud book in your, on a globe or on a map, just very gentle introduction, all tied around beautiful literature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start our conversation about community there. What are the things that you can get, that you can expect or receive educating in community versus educating in isolation? What are the benefits of coming together for education rather than staying by yourself? Well, well, I think it makes you uh, sort of come out of yourself, right? So we all have sort of these interior thoughts, right? And when you when you when you have others and and you are made to express those, that's part of taking that upon yourself as like this is this really is like I, there's an acceptance on my part of this, right? So you think of the um, you know, the, the little five, six and seven year olds, they all like to live in their own little worlds. Right. 
And, but by reading a book and the teacher asking questions and, you know, and, and, and those students having to respond to it and say, this is what I'm doing, you know, this is the way, this is what I heard, right? Then all of a sudden we're getting out of that sort of subjective world into an objective one and one in which sort of our subjective understanding then gets challenged by other people's subjective understandings, obviously at fifth, five-year-old, six-year-old level, a very, very, very basic but I think it, sort of in that community, you know, kind of what we were talking about with books, right? Like people, people see things you don't, right? And if if you assert something, you you could be absolutely wrong about the way you read that that book, that text, that you know. I mean, you could have, you know, saw that a spider had eight legs and thought, well, you know. But then what registered in your head was six legs, and then you get corrected, <laughs> right? I mean, um, so I I think. I mean, that's, that's a huge aspect because it makes sure that what we're assimilating mm-hmm. and what we are then ready to present to other people about what we believe is in fact what we learned. Uh, and, and it also is a break. It's that two days a week that my kids were at Cheryl Lowe School was a huge break for me. Mm-hmm. And that's nice too. It was like a time when I could rejuvenate and they came home filled by somebody else. And it was just a wonderful experience for all of us. They were refreshed. I was refreshed. And then we could came back to, you know, the next day we would come back at home to school together. It was just, I feel like hybrid homeschooling with the, if you can find a one or two day a week, cottage school is the ideal way to do it. Did you, did you do your book club with those ladies while your kids were at Cheryl's program? No, we did it at night and our husbands oh. had to babysit. Okay. Because I, it was I, only it, once a month, but it right. was, it was, and that was, I mean, that's another thing is why were, why were we so excited? It was a break for us. And Absolutely. And that's what, when you were talking about, it's, it was a break and a rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. I was curious if while your kids were getting, Oh, at the exact getting, same time, yeah, if, you were if doing I was rejuvenating. It was like, we're, we're going to our separate groups to, to learn in community, mm-hmm. but that doesn't always work well, out. The other thing that community does is it, is it gives an incentive for one of the great classical values, which Cicero writes a whole essay about and C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book about. Uh, well, in part, uh, and that is friendship. I mean, Lewis points out that, you know, there's that line in the in his book, The Four Loves, lovers stand face to face, but friends stand shoulder to shoulder. There's some interest that they share. Um, he talks about uh, the Arthur Greaves who he meets earlier on and they, they, they don't get along very well. And then they find out they have this common interest and they become great friends um, and, and so I think one of the things that doing anything in community together, together in especially the activities like are, are in a, a book like this, that you you're doing it, you're doing the same thing together with somebody. You have you, you're developing a shared interest in something. You're you're you now have things in common, and that helps to produce friendship. And and you know I. There's people I see, you know, and they're always engaged in individual activities and they don't have many friends. And I don't know what life would be without good friends. I I don't think it's something we talk about enough, Mm. but this is very important for a happy life. And I I think that's another thing this does. As you pass through life, you go through these different phases where your 
community is kind of pressed on you by your life circumstances. So mm-hmm. most of us have had the experience of being in a class mm-hmm. and you relate to that class in a way you will never relate to people ever again. Right. And, and in, in book discussions, it's not only that you agree on things, it's that you disagree about things. And particularly, and this is, I think, easier with men, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but disagreement's half the fun. Uh, among my best friends are people I disagree with, but we love disagreeing with each other because we're disagreeing about something we care about. Um, and that's half the fun in these you know panel discussions we do at some of these homeschool conferences with, with Andrew Pudua and several other people. I mean, the fun of it is the disagreement. We, we try to incite it as often as possible. Uh, at the beginning of, uh, of uh, one of his books, I, I think it's Owen Barfield who says this, not Lewis, but Maybe it is Lewis. Maybe it's in a Lewis book. I can't remember. Anyway, the dedication is um, friendship is opposition. Uh, that's hmm. a very interesting thing to say. And I think this is what he's getting at. If you're, if you're good enough friends, you love disagreeing with each other. It, it causes a conversation. It causes more thought about something. Uh, and there's any disagreement assumes a point of agreement. You know, so uh, so I think, I, think, uh, I think all those things happen in a discussion and, and help to just it's an environment that helps make that happen. Um, I would like to agree with Martin that I disagree with him most of the time. I don't know and about it, that. And it makes, I, it makes life great. Yeah. And no, most of the time we agree. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh my gosh. I'm in the middle of a comedy hour. <laughs> there are various ways that we at Memorial Press try to cultivate this kind of community and I want to tell you, you're, you've been really um, active on our forum, and that's been one place where there does seem to be a lot of community for people thinking about how to educate their own children. What do you think the role of that forum has been for you and then in the lives of these people who are seem like it's a, it plays a pretty substantial part of their weekly life? Well, my feelings are hurt that I passed 7,000 personal posts that I had made a couple weeks ago and nobody acknowledged oh, wow. it. So I feel like y'all should have had a party for me or something. You did what? You I passed, So I, it said that I had posted 7,000 times. <laughs> I have, I've had a lot to say over maybe, the years. When you post 7,777 <laughs> times, maybe we should get you a gold watch. No, I just want a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, the forum is... Crucial, and not just because I'm on there posting 7,000 times. I do get on and help people with curriculum questions, but they are helping each other. That's the value of it, is those women who have been using Memoria Press and who take the time and make the effort to write long, lengthy posts helping newcomers or helping people that are melting down over homeschooling. That is so valuable, and it's so it's such a way of giving back. It is that forum is just probably the the best tool that we offer um, to the homeschooler because it it gives them a platform to get help, but it also gives them a community. They know each other. They some anybody new on there is welcomed with open arms. And welcomed into the community, encouraged to continue posting. It's just they post um, health issues, prayer concerns. Sometimes it gets really silly. And there can be discussions that um, no man would really want to be a part of. So (laughs) 
I apologize to Michael, who's on there all the time, that he he has to listen sometimes to things that are really just specifically feminine. Um, you know, if like breastfeeding or something comes up. Um, but, and it does. It, I mean, it's a community, but they are able to answer. <laughs> are you trying not to laugh? No, no, no. I yeah. <laughs> am appreciating your point. Well, you're getting ready to have a baby. It'll just get to be something you can talk about that's right (laughs) (laughs) but um we have some wonderful women up on there who know more than me about the curriculum because they're in the trenches Mm -hmm. actually doing it and really really helping each other and supporting each other and encouraging each other and it's just a it's just a wonderful place to be and i would encourage anybody who's a memoria press user to to be on that forum. But I really, really am thankful for the women who are regular posters who answer the questions and who who take the time because you know how busy they are with multiple children of their own and they're taking the time to to help other people. Sure. I think there are a lot of forces that are kind of there's some people who have this instinct to want to like do something like a forum. They want to go out and connect with other people, but then there's a, some of us who would rather not. We'd rather just be by ourselves. What are some reading of, your own books? Reading our own books. <laughs> um, for instance, what are the forces that the things about community that are hard, and then how do we overcome those obstacles? Paul, you you lead an online school where there's maybe an inclination for some of the families to be more individual, and yet you're creating this community through leading the school how are you helping these families face those obstacles and then overcome them well i mean there's there's a whole slew of ideas of things i want to do with the online academy that to help create community because there's absolutely the temptation of this is a you know to self-serve i need that i'm going to take that i'm going to do that one thing and i and i'm out right but we want it to be something something more than that um, you know, to the point, you know, I mean, one of the first things I want to do was, well, let's do a parent evening with, you know, what, what it means to be conscientious about being safe online, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, that just kind of get us beyond that. But I'll tell you, I mean, that I was going to make the point when Tony was talking about the forum, you know, it's a digital platform. It's not the same as getting together and, you know, being in a room together, but these students, I mean, they're in the same classroom all year long and then year after year after year with that teacher. I mean, some teachers tell me like, I've had this family for 12 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is a community. It really is a community. Mm -hmm. And it really is um, a place where these, these kids, they get online. They're, they're looking forward to seeing, you know, or being in the same virtual room with this other child. And, you know, they know that, um, you, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's things like, you know, Mrs. Kastner, who's got a ranch down in Texas, and she teaches for us, and she'll call us and be like, my class starts in five minutes. My horse just gashed its leg on something, oh. and the vet's coming, and I got to make sure my horse doesn't bleed out. And so her son gets on the, on the classroom and tells the kids, hey, we're having a horse emergency. Just hang on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, but like everybody knows Mrs. Kastner's got this horse farm, this this ranch, and she's got horses and cows, and and you know, it's part of, in a sense, sort of, they, they live that with her, even through a digital platform. Um, I have no idea what your question was, but it's, it's, it's kind of fun to talk about community online Academy. Um, but that kind of stuff, even 
I mean, there, there's ideas I have if there are families on the academy that would like, I would love to have, you know, annual get togethers in different areas of the country where we would like mm -hmm. online, online academy families could get together and get to know each other. You know, I mean, we've, we've tried to do that with Memorial press with the MP communities page. It's just sort of like, you can put a little dot on the map, say you're there and people can contact you so that there's a way for you to connect with like-minded individuals in your area. And I, we want to do all that stuff, but sometimes that just happens naturally. Like we don't, you don't have to force it. Yeah. So I, again, I don't know what your question was. Yeah, no, the, you answered the question, the benefits of overcoming obstacles to being just a, you know, a service, just utilizing the online academy as a service is not getting everything out of it. And that's not usually how it works out. Usually the students and the teachers connect mm -hmm. and it creates an rich environment right. for learning. Even if I were trying to create just a service, the humanity, the human nature sort of, I mean, it needs community and it happens, yeah. you know, even though I want it to, I don't want it just to be self-service, but that's, it, it happens regardless. I like that horse story. I, I taught online and many times at home and I have a garden and, and a lot of berry plants and I've, I've never had like a tomato emergency yeah. <laughs> or a raspberry crisis yeah. sure. or anything like that. So. But you missed plenty of classes anyway, so. <laughs> 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 so Martin, coming back to you, Tony's talked a lot about homeschooling and community regarding homeschooling. And then Paul with the online Academy in the brick and mortar school, it's a little bit different in that the community is assumed. You don't go into brick and mortar school trying to be isolated, mm -hmm. but when you're thinking about entering a school, you have to be very conscious of what kind of community you're entering. So how do you, as someone who's worked in many, you know, multiple schools and thought about creating a culture, how do you think that shapes community and how is the communities that you've shaped been helpful for education? Well, and I suppose this is the, you know, there, there is an advantage to being physically present as opposed to being virtual. And I've worked in both worlds quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, there's, there's just something about going to school at the beginning of the day and seeing all these people, you're, these kids that you're in school with every day and all their strengths and weaknesses that you may not see in an online environment and just really getting to know the concrete reality of living with these people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do think there is some advantage to that if you can get it. Um, that doesn't mean that every in-class situation is a good one. Uh, and, and, uh, but you know, I, I mean, we live in sort of a, the lap of luxury here as it regards education here at Highlands Latin school. And there's a very healthy environment and you're, you're in there with people whose families share the same values you do and this sort of thing. And that gets very different when it's uh, maybe a public situation mm -hmm. where you're sharing the class with uh, kids from, you know, some, some, I hate to put it this way, but bad homes in terms of what, what is, you know, the values that are, are, uh, things that are valued there. Um, so I think the, you know, the Christian schools movement is important. Uh, the classical, obviously, uh, uh, very important, um, because it teaches you how to live with other people physically. Um, and, and that's, that's something you just harder to imitate in an online environment. Sure. Was there anything that you did as a teacher or as an administrator trying to build a school to intentionally cultivate the kind of healthy environment that attracted families that had a unified vision? I'm not sure I understand the question. You, you mean? I can answer it. Okay. Well, you go, you go right ahead. 
I think not. I don't know how Martin did it, but Cheryl Lowe certainly did it. She knew what kind of school she wanted, mm-hmm. and she worked hard that Latin was going to be the center of it. You know, she had after everybody took the NLE, we had a party with a big grad with a big congratulations cake, and all the parents had to come and listen to people recite conjugations and declensions in Latin, which was very boring. But you we, know, we she had was, toga parties early on and go eat dates and figs. And yeah, I mean, she really worked deceptively. Well, and the other thing, did. The, other thing, the other thing she did, and, and I think this is really important for a school, is Cheryl, Cheryl was really good at making sure there was ceremony. Hmm. Yes. There was something almost ritualistic about things. I really think that one of the best things we do as a school is our, our choir performances, you know. The, um, I, you know, we, we, we put on a, a, uh, Christmas program every year, the feast of the nine verses and carols. It was, I used to listen to on the, on the radio Christmas Eve, uh, from King's college in England. And, and I, uh, I was, I remember one time it was, it was the one where they did PA Yezu. There was two, two seventh grade boys that would, mm-hmm. I later found out. We're in the the Louisville Opera. Yes, and they sang uh, this dual thing with Pia Yezu, and there was not a dry eye in the house. And I remember walking out from there after the performance was over. I was walking to my car to get something. I was going to come back, and this I hear this. Uh, one of the fathers was behind me. Said, "Mr. Co- Are you Mr. Cawthorn?" I said, "Yeah, yes." He says, "I just want to tell you now. I know why I send my child here. Just that that performance where you have all the kids together." And singing together, you know, another corporate communal thing to do when you sing together. Our students sing together. Which, that, which was from the beginning. From when the there beginning. were 20 students, yes. they were singing together. And now that there's 700, they are still singing together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's something about, you know, different things can bring you together. But when beauty brings you together, that's the highest form of community, in my opinion. I'd like to chime in here and say it's not all rose petals and and um, honey. I guess I don't well, know. Of course, it is. Well, you know, <laughs> when I, the last time I taught a, a class at Islands Latin School, one day, you know, I was ready to start teaching. This is juniors in high school, and in walks a kid, and on one foot he has a sh- shoe and a sock. And I've already told this in. Have a podcast. I told this? Yeah. This is just. But this is the thing. You you listen to Martin and you listen to him tell this beautiful story of of the cantatas, which are All beautiful. I can say They're is gorgeous. They never do that in my class. But in my right. class, oh. All right. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. When, when you talk about building community, like that's the goal. But like the things that happen in in, in my class of showing up with no shoe or sock is you know th- that's a part of a community mm-hmm. right like that's a it was a hysterical disciplinary moment right but <laughs> but there's something that I, I don't get online right no kid walks in with i mean they walk in all the time without a shoe or a sock but i don't know it mm-hmm. um <laughs> and you know i just feel like sometimes we we give this this vision of or we give this rosy picture and community is what you're talking about disagreement, but even sometimes, you know, things that are, you know, very inappropriate. They're still children. But what going to school helps to do 
is it, it, it gives you an incentive, again, to formalize. At our school, you have to wear a uniform. And to With have an excuse socks. to do this, to, to, to dress appropriately, that there are expectations, I think that teaches children something. Oh, I, no, I, I'm not saying don't do I'm saying all of that is good and wonderful. That's, that's the goal. The fact that there's a the standard goal. you have to meet, I think, right. is a good thing. for it's, it's, it's a wonderful goal. I'm just saying that it's, it's in striving for that goal where we have our faults and our failings mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's in the, in the compassionate raising up of, of, of children to that goal um, that really it comes with its challenges. Yeah, but it's not the, utopia. And the beauty is found in that striving. I think you know a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and it's not just us going, oh, well, you know, this happened wrong at the cantata this year or whatever. But it's like, no. Regardless, it was something beautiful because community came together and we spent this and time. You have together. a different set of problems uh, depending on whether you you're homeschooling or or going to school. I mean, and I speak as a former mostly homeschooler. Uh, and that is that you, you know, you, you do realize as a homeschooler that there are certain advantages of a physical school. And so you, there's a few things you try to imitate at home to make, a, you, you, to, to make sure your children are getting a little bit of that. And you have to really work at it at home in a way that you don't have to work at it at school. There's other things you have to work at at school. And it speaks to the benefit of if you're a homeschool family, finding a co-op or cottage school mm-hmm. or some kind of hybrid mm-hmm. program to get those benefits that you just can't yes. manufacture. It does. And it, and it doesn't have to be a Highlands Latin school. Mm-hmm. You can just get three or four moms together with kids that though are. It would be best if we've it was. done that. <laughs> though it would be best if it was a Highlands Latin school. <laughs> but we did that early on. I just, you know, some of my some of the friends I was in book group with, our children were similarly aged, and one of the moms taught a writing class, and we just all took our kids to her house one day a week, and she would teach them. So you know, you can do a community without having to think, oh boy, now I've got to start a school because my kids need a community. Mm-hmm. There are many ways to do it. I mean, I was a, I was a homeschooler. I helped found a one-day-a-week cottage school, uh, founded a two-day-a-week cottage school, which is what Highlands was at the beginning, which turned into a three-day-a-week and then a four-day-a-week. So and then I, a college. And then <laughs> college. And an online academy along <laughs> yeah. the way. Yeah, an long, long, online academy, yeah. Paul, you said something as we conclude that um that struck a thought for me i think that you should write a memoir that'll sell millions of copies called the beauty is the struggle mm. <laughs> he's too young to write a memoir yeah the memoirs of farmer paul well, i hope that Actually, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of different things i mean there's the farm there's the education there's the yeah, yeah. well you've brought a lot to this conversation so i appreciate it well i had to disagree with martin because he wanted me to disagree with him to be friends with him so i I couldn't just Uh let him him go by the friendship is sealed apparently (laughs) well on that note i'll see you all next time bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of classical etc you can find us on spotify apple music or wherever else you get your podcasts if you like this episode consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.